As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Traveling for one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor. Stay at Graduate Hotels, Bridgestone Arena, Target Center. Their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? I love staying at the Nashville location, and I'll be at the Minneapolis location for the Big Ten Championship. And if you're one of my listeners, you can save 30% off with the promo code DUG. That's DUG, D-O-U-G. Good at any Graduate Hotels location, up to 30% off. How do you do it? Really simple. Book today at graduatehotels.com. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Tel not Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, Israel. Site of the Maccabi Games. I'll give you more info if you want the info on Twitter. You can call us, or of course the boys will talk about it. Let's get after it. Last night was a home run derby, and uh, viewership was up 38%. 38%. And I know there's some haters out there that are unable to actually listen and comprehend what I'm saying. I told you that the Home Run Derby can, in fact, be boring to watch in person. It, it, it just drags. They've done a better job of making it so it doesn't drag on. But I also told you this is going back two months ago, both on this show and on The Herd. I, I know I told you because as Ryan Music, my esteemed producer, who helped produce The Herd that day, will, will affirm I kind of used the same rant on The Herd that I did on the Doug Gottlieb show, <laughs> uh, which which is, uh, is that about right, Ryan? That is true. There was uh, not that much time between us doing the, our show the previous day to the morning, the next morning doing The Herd. And it was... That uh, wasn't, it had nothing to do with time. 
It had to do with the fact that it was a really, really, really good series of points. And, and my it, points there were, okay, my points there are my same points now, which is Aaron Judge can save regular season baseball. Aaron Judge can save the home run derby. Aaron Judge can make, uh, can make lots of things interesting to watch. Not necessarily to listen to, okay, because he doesn't give you much at all in interviews. But the fact is that he's a Yankee. That's important. And you can go like, oh, what the Yankees? They haven't won the last time they won a World Series. Look, the Yankees have won 27 world titles. They are synonymous with winning. They are the biggest name in the sport. And they, by the way, play in the biggest market. They're the biggest name in the biggest market. And they have physically the biggest star in baseball, who now um, literally is creeping up on becoming the biggest star in the sport. He and he's just a rookie. He's not making a ton of money. He wears 99. He looks like a superhero. He also looks like Aaron Gordon who won the dunk contest. There's so much to him that in a sport which can be utterly and completely unwatchable unless it's your team early on in the regular season or even the, the, the dog days of summer, Aaron Judge hits balls further steroid-free than anybody we've ever seen, or at least it feels that way. Was that about the uh, was that about the rant music? Is that is that about where I went with it? That sounds like we actually just replayed the other oh. segment, and you actually haven't <laughs> arrived at the studio yet from Jerusalem. <laughs> That's what we did. We got we got knocked offline, so they just re-aired a two-month-old rant that just happened to apply today. Now, what's the point, Doug? I realize I watched the home run derby. Well, first is a good uh, what is it? S T F U. Yeah, it's, it really should be STFY, but whatever reason we go STFU, to Logan Morrison. Remember Logan Morrison's like, why is Gary Sanchez in the home run derby? I should be in the home run derby. Remember that? Yeah, that's why. 38% viewership. Gary Sanchez took baseball by storm last year at the end of the season. And now the right fielder Aaron Judge has taken baseball by storm this year. The Home Run Derby is about the youth of baseball. It's about making people watch something which is like, dude, you're just watching guys hit balls far. Like They're not curveballs. There's nothing. It's not really baseball. Get Yankees in it. People will watch. Get young dudes in it that you haven't heard of. People watch. Young dudes that put up ridiculous numbers. Last year it was Sanchez. I think 19 home runs in 40-some-odd games, something like that. This year it's Aaron Judge leading the world in, home, in balls hit a metric mile. It's not a metric mile. It's actually a kilometer. Anyway, um, that so the first thing is STFY or you, whichever you want to, Logan Morrison. It also points to the NBA's need to get something done in New York, to get something done with the L.A. Lakers. And the story of the day from Lee Jenkins of Sports Illustrated, who does an outstanding job. The story of the day is very, very simple is um, Paul George is open to the idea of, hey, we're really good in Oklahoma City. Like, why would I leave? It's not a foregone conclusion that he will go to Los Angeles. On the other hand, Russell Westbrook also hasn't signed his contract extension unless he does. It's not a foregone conclusion Russell Westbrook's going to stay after this year. But the NBA, they need Los Angeles. They need New York. Because while while you and me like I don't care, I'm going to watch. Uh, I'm going to watch LeBron James and Steph Curry. Like I don't care where they like doesn't location of the team doesn't matter to me. But I'm a sports fan. 
when you get to major events in sports, you need the 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 mainstream fan, not the sports fan, to kind of help carry the build that huge number. And when you cut out the two biggest cities in the country with vibrant basketball fan bases as well, well, you're limiting the scope of how many people can come listen or come watch. Um, and maybe the other part to it is this. Tonight's the All-Star Game. It's on Fox. I'll watch it. Um, I like the All-Star Game. There's some nostalgia to it. But can we all admit that the baseball All-Star Game just frankly like the NBA All-Star Game, like the Pro Bowl, but even more so because it's baseball. It, it, is, it is an arcane idea, right? It is something from a foregone era. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the example. Israel has like the most ridiculous cell phone technology because many of it was, much of it was developed here. Uh, this is Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. I'm actually broadcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. The cell phone and Wi-Fi technology here is spectacular, even though the topography of, for example, Jerusalem is hilly and mountainous, right? So um, what's interesting to me, though, is that while the cell phones that were that were developed because of all the wars, right, all the wars and the fighting, like much of I mean, why were drones drones that Amazon's going to use to to drop off your food now that Amazon bought Whole Foods. Like, all the, that drone technology, the drones that you bought for your kids for Christmas or for Hanukkah, like, that was all developed in places of war. Necessity is the root of all invention, isn't it? So, um, with all the developed technology they have here, last night before the show, means I don't know if I told you this, Ramos, you too, um, across the street from where I'm broadcasting from is a beautiful mall now i'm not sure if you're aware of this in our country but people don't go to the mall anymore it's not the 1980s not the 1990s okay and one of the things that came into play in the 1990s in malls was the food court right remember the food court you go down you get a little chick-fil-a you get hot dog and a stick like you get like sabaro pizza right like now nobody goes to a mall matter of fact malls are many of them are, are almost vacant and they're being repurposed for other things and the reason is well amazon amazon you know and amazon prime and zappos to deliver shoes like the next day and if you don't like them you put them back in they're gone like it's just shopping is done online or shopping is done in niche stores why do you need to go to a mall and fight the traffic or whatever people don't go to a mall but here in israel like they still go to malls they also still smoke cigarettes these are all things from the 80s and 90s that we don't do nearly as much in volume on the other hand we still have the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, which was created with a great spirit, great intent, because back in the day, they used to have the American League and the National League. And I don't know if you know this, but the American League and National League, originally, okay, until expansion, they only played in the World Series. There wasn't even any, they were playing for the pennant, but there wasn't even any playoffs. There wasn't uh, a championship series. Then they developed the championship series. Then it was the divisional series. Then you had the wild card. And now you have the wild card play-in game and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we also now have the crossover of every series having every, every week we have a different interleague series. Oh yeah. And you can watch any team play anytime, anywhere, even from your phone. So this idea that, well, I never get to watch Aaron judge play. That's not true. Everybody gets the yes network. You can watch Aaron judge play whenever you want. 
not even counting the nationally televised game on Fox. And if you want to watch Aaron Judge highlights, you can put it in your phone to which every time he has an at-bat, you can see the highlight. So I need to watch the Wildstar game so I can see Aaron Judge hit against whomever. I mean, the All-Star game isn't even a game. It's not. Like, we all know, like, starting, Max Scherzer is going to throw, what, two innings? Max Scherzer and Chris Sale are going to throw two innings. The starting infielders are going to play two, three, maybe four innings. Then they're going to shake hands. Then they're going to get all their swag. Then they're going to go home. And they all love it, and they all love the honor of doing it. But the fact is, you get 16 days off in Major League Baseball for 162 games. And if you're kind of close and you got plenty of money, like, eh, it's not like these guys don't know each other or play against each other. They play interleague. You can see somebody play whenever you want. It is the, the Major League Baseball All-Star game to us is what malls are to Israelis. We still do it. We still love it. We still kind of go watch it, but we're like, okay, they tried to make it mean something because it's home field advantage, even though it really is kind of a ridiculous way to describe home field, to decide a home field advantage. It's not really a game because pitchers are throwing, you know, starting pitchers are throwing two innings or one inning, and you're rotating all these guys around. And all these players that back in the 60s, 70s, even 80s, you would never see play in your ballpark, and you couldn't see him play on TV. Now you can watch him anytime you want. And you can watch him in a legit game. So where is the, where is the allure? Anyway. So... There is so much to get to. Um, John Morosi is going to join us upcoming next. Uh, we got to ask him about, one, the Aaron Judge factor. D- does he think it's just the numbers? And remember, this Aaron Judge, I, th- I think he hit 175 last year as a rookie call-up, as opposed to Gary Sanchez, who hit like a million last year. Uh, we got to talk about the Yankees, though. They have some issues. They have some problems. They've gone from first place to a team that's struggling. They got some injuries. They got to add some pitchers. Can they add the arms that they need? We'll discuss uh, all things Major League Baseball, getting you ready for the All Star game upcoming next. But first, uh, here are some helpful tips, some car tips you might not know about. Like, all right, in the winter, if your cars, for exa- your uh, tires are stuck in the snow, you can use your floor mats for extra traction. Did you know that? Well, that's a pretty good little tip. Here's the other thing. When, you, when you're trying to figure out how far you should park in your garage, you park it right one time. And then what you do is you hang a tennis ball, sometimes, you know, over any sort of hook or maybe over the garage door opener, right? And when you do so, you put it at the, so it hits the same spot on your windshield and you don't even have to look. And also, you don't plow through your garage into your backyard. Finally, there's one other thing that you might not know that's really helpful. True Car also helps you buy used car. That's right, used cars. That's right, True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With a network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you're going to enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether it's new or used. So true, cars can see, true Car users can see what others paid so they know they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with a True Car certified dealer. Whether you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features available in all, not available in all states.
With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over $3,000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. And uh, getting ready for the All-Star Game. This is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, you know, one of the go-to guys you should follow on Twitter who has just unbelievable stuff is uh, John Morosi. Of course, worked for MLB Network, also works for the NHL Network, and uh, for Fox Sports. He's kind enough to join us here as we're hours away from the All-Star Game in uh, Miami. Um, I saw your – I happened to see a, a tweet. Like One of your last tweets was about Justin Verlander's fastball hit 97 with explosive action. Um, I, I, I wonder – you you did a hashtag trade deadline, and it made me think – uh, we've heard all these scenarios about Detroit. They have so many big-name players with big contracts. I look at the Yankees, and they need an arm. Isn't that the match made in heaven? Well, Doug, it's one of them. And uh, the Yankees have a good farm system now. They've spent some time now rebuilding it. So they have the ability, I believe, to access any number of the top arms available. Now, Verlander, when he's at his best, we saw him finish runner-up last year in the Cy Young vote. So he's still... A very good pitcher. Is he what he was when he won the MVP? No, but he's still awfully good. Now, he also is due a lot of money, which I'm sure teams, including the Yankees even, will be wary of that, but there are certainly ways to offset the money. The Tigers can include some uh, money in the deal to facilitate things, but uh, I certainly think, Doug, he makes a lot of sense for the Yankees. I'm quite sure he has a full no-trade clause that he would waive that no-trade clause to go to the Yankees or other marquee teams like the Dodgers and the Cubs, uh, but the Yankees, Doug, I expect they're going to play on, on the big names, whether it's Verlander, Jose Quintana, um, Chris Archer looks like he's probably going to stay in Tampa Bay, but I think a number of other names out there among the starting pitchers, Sonny Gray is one of them, Garrett Cole, who actually they drafted out of high school, he ended up going to UCLA, so did not sign with the Yankees at that point in time, Garrett Cole possibly on the Yankees' radar as well. Uh, how would you describe to the layman what the Dodgers have been doing over the past month and a half? Doug, it really is remarkable. Uh, they have been uh, the best team in baseball over that time. Uh, and the the way in which they are winning games, that comeback they had against Fernando Rodney and the Diamondbacks in the last week was breathtaking, really. They, they of course, took advantage of some wildness on Rodney's part. Uh, but I think it's, it seems as though, Doug, every, every night that I'm watching MLB Network, I'm hearing one more great call from Joe Davis on a great moment there for the Dodgers in Joe's first year of calling the Dodger games full-time because it's been, it's been remarkable. Uh, they, they have really pulled out uh, clutch hits late in games. And sometimes it's been Bellinger. Sometimes it's been Seager and Turner. They've also had really good contributions with the likes of Kike Hernandez as well. And all of this is happening with the stalwarts of the, of the previous era, if you will, Adrian Gonzalez, Andre Ethier, both on the DL, really for almost the entire first half in, in some of their cases. So um, they really have done a magnificent job offensively. Then, of course, pitching, we know all about Kershaw. Alex Wood has emerged so much here in, in, in recent weeks. I still think, Doug... They have to find a way to get one more starting pitcher because we have seen it happen now four consecutive postseasons. Kershaw starts on short rest in the first round, and by the end of the playoffs, he's tired and the Dodgers lose. They have to find a way to make sure that they have three other starters they trust in addition to Kershaw, and given the health histories, the injury histories of the likes of Alex Wood and Rich Hill and Brandon McCarthy, I think they probably have to find a way to get one more starting pitcher as big-time insurance there for the Dodgers in the playoffs. 
John Morosi joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, okay, so uh, you're mentioning the need for another starting pitcher. Don't the Houston Astros, who, by the way, if you're not paying attention, the Astros are 16 and a half games up on second place in the AL West. And this finally living up to all of the talent they have uh, in that lineup. I mean, they have just a ridiculous amount of young athletic talent. And they have some they have some playoff experience as well. Of course, a couple of years ago, the choke job sure. against the Kansas City Royals. Um, but don't they need starting? Like, aren't we talking about all these teams and they need starting pitching as well? Yes, they do. And really, Doug, in many respects, uh, we're talking about the same names with them as we are with the Yankees because their farm system is elite. Uh, and now they know this is their time to win. Uh, they've had the best record in the American League since almost the first day of the season. And, of course, they were just surpassed at the very end uh, for the best record in the majors by the Dodgers. So they, they are right there, I, I believe, with L.A. But where they're short is, as you point out, starting pitching. Dallas Keuchel's been in the DL now for more than a month uh, with a lingering neck issue that's been causing some problems there in his shoulder area. That's a real concern because he is their ace. And if he cannot go or if he's limited – uh, I don't like their chances of getting to the World Series if that's the case. So I do believe they have to have some reinforcements. They have looked at Sonny Gray in Oakland many, many, many times this season with their scouts, Doug, and so I think that he is high on their list. Of course, they know from within the same division he has pitched in the American League. He's had some success there. So we will see. But they certainly have, I believe, the, the farm system to get it. Uh, very, very good young talent out there. Tucker is one name to know out there. Fisher is another one, a couple outfielders. So I think stay tuned there on that possibility of Houston getting Gray or Quintana those guys do not end up going to the Yankees or the Dodgers. Uh, speaking of the Yankees, Aaron Judge uh, wins the home run derby. To anyone who's seen his BP action, it's not not a terribly big surprise. <laughs> but on a big on a big stage, he did he did come through at such a young age. Um, you've been you've been doing this a while. Um, I, I, look, I know sometimes guys struggle with with uh, late season call ups, but he was not good, and obviously he's changed um, that stride. He's changed. Uh, his timing mechanism and how how much he he lifts his leg. Have have can you recall a guy struggling so mightily and then completely turning around in his first full rookie season? No, I can't, <laughs> Doug. And it's a great question because what he has done is really remarkable historically. And of course, he's already passed Joe DiMaggio for the Yankee rookie home run record by the All-Star break, which is remarkable just to say those words, that he's passing Joe DiMaggio in a half season's work. Clearly he is, I think in some respects, Doug, the avatar for this, this new year and this new era in the game where we have so many home runs. Of course, we're on pace for, writ large across the majors, a, a record number of home runs hit. And he has, though, mastered, uh, I think, trying to avoid that other part of history that's happening right now, which is the uh, all-time high of strikeouts. He has certainly strikeout. He certainly will strike out, but he's not on that same level as even a Bellinger or other guys, other young guys in the game right now. So he has done a phenomenal job of controlling the strike zone and I think also absorbing the lessons of those around him. I think we're seeing someone like a Matt Holliday that had a phenomenal impact on him. And Judge just has great aptitude periods. A very, very smart player. Um, and I think you saw, Doug, just in his interview after the, after the Derby last night with Buster Olney, he does have that Derek Jeter-type bearing about him. He, he really, I think, he just comes across so well, so genuine. So I think baseball is in a very, very good spot. And I'm glad with the way that the Derby unfolded and the way the game's hopefully going to go tonight, um, without, of course, it uh, coupled with uh, home field advantage in the World Series, 
this is now just about the players. It's just about the players. It's just about the quality of the game that we have right now. And for me, baseball can now, I think, leverage this and just celebrate more fully uh, just how much young talent there is in the game, whether it's Judge or Bellinger. Um, and I think you really kind of have that celebration even more so than worrying about exactly who's going to have home field advantage a few months from now in the World Series. We've talked a lot about the pitchers being on the move because everybody who's ready for the postseason needs arms. There's also got to be some hitters. Um, who's the biggest name that you most expect to be moved at the trade deadline? Well, the big name, and I'll go to a former MVP here who has been playing phenomenally well over the last six weeks or so, and that's Andrew McCutcheon in Pittsburgh. He has been playing back in center field. His OPS is now back above 900, which is remarkable considering where he was uh, when the season began. His story is remarkable because, of course, he, he started the season in the corner after the rather controversial move of Starling Marte to center field, and Marte is suspended for PEDs. So then McCutcheon moves back to center field. He was still struggling offensively. Then all of a sudden, Hurdle moves him down the lineup. He gets going, and now he really looks like an outstanding trade candidate. Uh, again, the Dodgers, uh, I think he's a fit for them uh, as, as they look to maybe shore up the outfield and get a little bit, little bit better against left-handed pitching. So McCutcheon, I think, is a fit there. Really, he fits a lot of clubs because now he can actually play the corners as well, so in addition to just playing center field. So McCutcheon, the way he has played of late, Doug, for me, McCutcheon is, has a very, very strong chance to be traded here at the deadline. And I'd also watch closely uh, the, the possibility of, of even like a Brandon Belt from the Giants because of the way they have played and struggled so much. Belt was not somebody that I, I thought was going to get moved a month ago, but I do believe the way the market conditions are, he may be, may be on the move in addition to Yonder Alonso in the Bay Area there at first base who's had such a phenomenal first half and is there at the All-Star Game in his hometown of Miami. Yeah, yeah, the, the the team has just been awful uh, in in San Francisco. I don't know if you know, but Bavada actually took them off the line. They, there's no line on the San Francisco Giants uh, to win the to win the World Series. Like it's not not even not even a consideration. I, I would, I would consideration. concur with that. Uh, not being familiar much with, with Vegas, Doug, I would concur that there was quite literally no chance of them winning the World Series. Even though in, in the spring training, I had them as one of the National League. So I suppose that tells you, my friend, what I actually know. Well, no, I'm like, look, listen. I mean, it's like a. It, 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 it's you know it, I usually uh, it's even years usually that they win right so That's it's right. an odd year I mean maybe but maybe you thought bouncing back I mean like it's not your thoughts weren't crazy but it is kind of it's more it's more surprising how putrid they've been than than anything else um, last thing I mean like look we focus on the Marlins because the All Star Game is in their park tonight it, at some point this thing is going to get sold uh, now Michael Jordan is is joining Derek Jeter's group to potentially the Marlins. Um, so will Derek Jeter take an active role as an owner? Like what's, what, are your, what are you hearing in terms of his level of activity in this group? Well, Doug, a couple of things here. Number one, um, really there is a lot of – there's a lot of murkiness about where exactly this stands. There have been reports of different groups winning the bidding at different times, and uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred, in speaking yesterday at the All-Star Game, indicated that there is no agreement right now in place. And, in fact, it sounds as though there are still three groups that are actively involved on, on some level. So there's really a lot of confusion, I believe, as to exactly what the sale price is going to be, who is going to own the club. Uh, and this, by the way, is, is tremendously clouding the Marlins' operation ahead of the trade deadline. The, the trade deadline is coming up on July 31st. It does not appear that, that 
the sale certainly is going to be completed by then, and we may not even know the owner by then. So in that case, it's really a missed opportunity, Doug, for the Marlins to maybe make some headway in terms of a rebuild because they don't want to make these trades until they know who the ultimate new boss is going to be. So it's very confusing there. Derek Jeter, though, I I do think he wants to have a lot of say-so in in terms of the baseball decisions. I think that's a a big part of uh, who he is and what he wants to do. To me, Doug, uh, and I know Derek just a little bit from having covered him over the years, I don't think that he wants to get involved in this to not have a profile and a say-so. I think if Derek wants to get involved, it's because he wants to have a voice. He wants to be very involved, I'm sure, on both the the baseball and the business side of things, especially baseball. And and I think baseball, writ large, will be better off if at some point in time, if it's now or in the future, if Derek Jeter is owning a Major League Baseball franchise. But, uh, John, again, and I I bow to your knowledge more than mine, but in the conversations I've had with Jeter, others have had with Jeter, like, he didn't watch baseball when he was at home, you know, when he was like, he's not necessarily a base. He played baseball, but he's not a baseball guy. So, I mean, are we talking figurehead uh, position where he shows up at games? Like he's not necessarily a decision making. He might know what a baseball player looks like, but he's not really engrossed in the game. I never got the sense that he loves all. He's not like a, he's not like a, a, you know, a, a field rat, you know, he don't just want to hang out and know about minor leaguers and developing players like that. Not really him. It's not that he's not wasn't a great player, but that's not in his makeup. Doesn't that lead some people to be hesitant in terms of how much he's actually going to be involved in the business in the in the baseball decision making? It's a fair question. And I, I do think, Doug, that in the day to day that there's there is a very different um, I, I think as we think about across sports, how each sport operates. There's a very different job of being the day-to-day GM or even the president of baseball operations for a team and then the the CEO and the sort of the 30,000-foot guy. And I think Derek, from all the games he has watched, he understands winning clearly. Um, and, And so to me, as someone that's up in the owner's box watching the games, he's going to have an opinion on things, and I'm sure he's going to want that opinion to be executed. Uh, will he want to deal with the minutia of, of trading a player, signing a player, negotiating with an agent over, over a minor league contract for the, for the 25th man? Probably not. But I, I do think, Doug, he would want to have a degree of big-picture organizational direction on, on the club. Do, do I think he's going to be as involved with the Marlins or some other team as John Elway is with the Broncos? I would say unlikely, or, or, or Larry Bird has been in his career, probably not. But I, but I do think he would want to have that, that high 30,000-foot view of things and be, and be able to dictate the vision of the franchise as he sees it. John, uh, enjoy the All-Star game as the rest of us will. Can't wait to catch up with you as we crank towards the uh, the trade deadline and then towards the fall where this is going to be great. And we got all these big markets, talented teams. And we'll find out. We didn't even talk about the Cubs, uh, which appears to be a little <laughs> bit of a dumpster fire, all the way very talented dumpster fire. John, thanks so much for joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. My pleasure, Doug. Enjoy the All-Star game. Thanks so much. All right. That's uh, John Morosi, of course, works for the MLB Network, and, of course, for us here at Fox Sports. Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor had a press con- have a press conference later today. Why I, I just, I can't do it. I can't buy into the validity of any statements made at these press conferences. After we find out what's trending. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience.
Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. So Floyd and Connor, Mayweather and McGregor, they're going to have a press conference later today. And I, look, I understand that it's catnip for the media masses, right? It's, oh, no, I can't get enough of it. What's oh, Conor? Conor McGregor, what's he's going to say? How, how great a name is Conor McGregor, right? Especially from his back. Conor McGregor! It's a, it's a great name. But I mean, like, how can we on it? Like, have you ever, here's what I'm, I'm interested And there's been some of it with Floyd Mayweather. I can't remember. Guys, who did Floyd fight like three uh, uh, Garcia, what was his name? He fought like three fights ago, and his dad was like, "You're gonna root for a white beater? You're gonna root?" He was, he was, dude. He was. I grew up in a uh, uh, my my first elementary school in Southern California was bilingual, and his dad was was bilingual, uh, Latino, obviously, and he sounded like a lot of the dads of the kids that I went to Jordan Elementary in Orange, California, with. Like, well, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna root for a white beater, right? Um, so that was an over-the-top press conference for Floyd Mayweather and boxing, and we've seen some. But UFC is a completely different level of, I don't know, Springer Show W meets WWE in press conference. Now, look, the UFC guys are badasses. Okay, so anybody who who um, anybody who says, "Well, I heard Gottlieb, he's, he's talking trash about the UFC," no, no, that that ain't true. I've said this before, and I mean it. The three different things that will, three things that will survive a nuclear holocaust. Okay, Twinkies, cockroaches, wrestlers. They just will. Okay? Wrestlers are badasses, and you may not like cauliflower ear. I don't want my son wrestles. I don't want cauliflower ear. My son to get cauliflower ear. But those dudes are tough hombres. And you mentioned, and mo- a lot of these guys have a rest. Most of them have a wrestling background, and then a Brazilian jiu-jitsu background. Like they're they're bad dudes. They are not dudes you want to run into and talk smack to in a dark alley because, especially wrestlers, they get you on the ground. Once they get you on the ground, like that's their office. You're done. You're like, I'm sorry. But the UFC press conferences, especially involving Conor McGregor, are just so over the top. Like I'm do- I'm just done. I'm just done. And I'm sorry, but when both guys are going to get super rich, when both are in on the gag that Conor McGregor is not a boxer, and yet he's going—he's not—he's not just fighting. He's not just like he's fighting as a, uh, a a boxer. He's fighting a guy who is has a master's as a doctorate in the sweet science. He's arguably the best pound for pound fighter in the world. Now, now I—it's a completely different discipline. Completely different discipline. So I just, and when both guys are making not six, not seven, but likely, you know, Floyd's making eight figures in this. They're just maybe nine figures. This, there's just the, the level of I, my, my, I don't give a you know what in in terms of you don't really dislike a guy. I mean, if Conor McGregor gets flattened in the first round, he's still going to get. He was on. He was on welfare four years ago. Did you guys know he was on welfare four years ago? And now he's going to be worth a hundred million dollars after this fight. Like, there's just no way you can tell me that you hate each other when you had to kind of get together and finally get the fight done. And both are going to be rich beyond all possible levels of wealth. And oh yeah, by the way, Conor's fighting a discipline that's not even his. Like, you don't hate each other. 
And it's so over the top. That said, every media company is going to cover it. Everybody will be talking about it. Why? Because a Conor McGregor press conference and a Floyd Mayweather press conference is catnip to the masses. Can't get enough. It's not, a, it's not any different than WWE, you know? I don't get it. I don't watch it. I, don't, I do know people that are really bright that do watch it. But man, that's, that's, I can't get into it. Can't do it. What are the chances Carmelo Anthony ends up with the Houston Rockets? I'll tell you next. Hold on, wait for it. Wait for it. Crank it up just a little bit. Wait, 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 wait. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Get to my sack in a second. Not just yet. Get ready. Crank up, crank it up. Here we go. Sometimes you need that, right? Need a little rage. A little rage in the summer ain't bad. Not road rage. Rage Against the Machine. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I'm broadcasting live from Jerusalem, Israel. I'll tell you about uh, a lopsided game that we played in uh, earlier today. You guys won't believe the final score. Um, we'll get to that in a second. First, let's get inside my sack. Let's reach into Gottlieb's sack. <laughs> Dan Byer, my man. What do you got? Let's see what we got. A little uh, little bit of this, a little bit of that Fire. today. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, we've got. Uh, what are the chances? What are the chances today? All right, let's do it. Let's, uh, uh, Doug, we're going to bounce here, there, and everywhere. Okay, so let's start in the NBA. If Fire. Carmelo Anthony wants to play for Houston, he's going to need some help because the Rockets don't have anything of value for the Knicks or that the Knicks would want. So what are the chances a third team gets involved and allows the Knicks to trade Carmelo Anthony to Houston? I'm going to go with 35%. I, I still think as much as Chris Paul's pushing for it and James Harden's pushing for it, remember, he makes a lot of money, okay? And there's still the salary cap to, to worry about, and they trade away a lot of their assets to the Clippers. And so the, the dollars have to – and I understand there's trade exceptions and other things you can – I just don't know how it makes sense unless, unless the Knicks buy him out. And I don't see them buying him out anytime soon. 35%. How about this one, Doug? What are the chances the Knicks actually made a good move by signing restricted free agent Ron Baker to a two-year deal? Well, good for Ron Baker, right? Uh, who would have thought that yeah. they'd get uh, Ron Baker and Tim Hardaway Jr. for just under $80 million? <laughs> well, of course, that's because they <laughs> overpaid for Tim Hardaway, right? But, I mean, like Ron Baker to not be drafted, make the league, play last year on a rookie minimum, and now get a two-year guaranteed deal at just, just south of $10 million? pretty awesome for a guy from scott city kansas who uh didn't have a uh didn't really have a big time scholarship offer when he took up he had to pay for he was a walk-on paid walk-on i had i mean had to had to pay for his, his own way his first year in school and then of course led them to the final help lead them to the final four in an injury plague freshman year stayed all four years 
and uh, he and Fred VanVleet both in the NBA. So pretty spectacular story. He was one of those guys that you thought was at Wichita State forever because of that Final Four run that was his freshman year. You know, there's certain guys you just think that are in college just forever and ever. He seemed to be one of those guys because now we're not used to college stars staying that long and because he emerged as a freshman and stayed his four years seemed like he was uh, a shocker for a long long time mm-hmm. pro pro uh, pro com says there are no suitors for rg3 as training camp starts in a few weeks so doug what are the chances that robert griffin the third is on an nfl team at the start of the nfl season rg3 mm, i'm gonna say like 15 percent. I, I will tell you that i i, I that Instead of just signing with somebody to make the team, you're better off sitting and waiting till somebody goes down. Guys will go down in camp. Um, so, I, look, I, I think it's only a 15% chance he's on, the, on, on a roster first day of, of the season. But I, I think that the, the chances are higher if he doesn't sign with somebody before camp because there'll be an injury. Moving on to some news about the Olympic Games is the IOC unanimously approved the move that will allow the executive board to award the 2024 and 2028 Summer Games at their meeting in September. It's likely that L.A. gets the 2028 Games. Doug, what are the chances the 2028 Games, if in Los Angeles, are a huge success? Oh, uh, 95% chance. 95% 95% chance. I, I went to the 84 games. I don't know if you, I mean, Dan, obviously you didn't grow up in Los Angeles. Um, they handled the traffic. They, they changed people's office hours, which always made me always really? like, why don't they do this the whole time? By then, of course, uh, you'll have the new stadium in Inglewood. You'll probably have a new Clippers arena. Like, you have infrastructure. You have hotels. Traffic is a problem, but uh, you'll have state funds in order to kind of help believe it. Maybe you have a high-speed rail by then. I think it'll be a spectacular success. Plus, it's so much better for TV when it's on in the States instead of watching things on tape delight. John Ramos is going to have his work hours be noon to one during the uh, 2028 Summer Games. That sounds good. (laughs) Finally, a woman in Houston has been arrested on charges of letting her 11-year-old daughter drive her car with her 10-year-old son in the vehicle. I know it sounds awful, but police say the car was clocked going 49 miles per hour in a 35 zone. What are the chances, Doug, that you'd drive past 20 miles per hour in a car when you were 11 years old, let alone 49? Well, I used to, well, 11 years old, I think it was too big to sit on my dad's lap. But did you, did you learn to drive that way where you sat in your dad's lap when you're like seven or eight and, you know, you drive down the street and you'd be on his lap and he'd, you know, he'd have like a little, you know, his like two fingers on the wheel to protect you, you know, and then he'd have the, the brake and the gas pedal. You had that, didn't you? No, no, oh, yeah. I, I, unfortunately I didn't, but I've left. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was one of the late bloomers when it came to cars. I don't know if I'd Who go 10 miles drive? per hour. Who taught you how to drive? Um, my mom. Who taught yeah. you how to drive stick? <laughs> Still learning. Drive left. <laughs> Don't know how to drive stick? Oh, I do. Stick I just ride or... the clutch like you wouldn't believe. That's, that's uh, just the problem. Uh, so, uh, uh, And that's what's in my sack. <laughs> that was Gottlieb's sack. <laughs> yeah, uh, my brother taught me how to drive stick. And actually, the way he taught me was he parked on like an uphill, like, Put the parking brake on, left in neutral, add a stop sign, and then like, and went over to the passenger side, switched, and like figured out drive home. Because I was in the parking lot and I kept grinding the gears, and he's like, "This is how you learn." And there's nobody behind us. It was like middle of the day, and I figured it out and drove home. Remember when Paul George was definitely going to the Lakers? 
Might not be so definite. We'll tell you why next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. What up? It's the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. This week, broadcasting live from Jerusalem, Israel. Had a bit of a beatdown today, boys. No, we were not beaten down. Um, so the way this thing works is, right, like these are the best Jewish athletes from across the world, and you play in like the Jewish Olympics. And as you can imagine, like there's, there's certain countries to which there is a paucity of Jewish athletes. I mean, that's what happens when you wipe out six million people during World War II, like, right? There's especially in Europe. So there's a small uh, but fairly healthy Jewish community in Belgium. And so the, apparently these guys, they came to every four years. They have this, you know, again, it's like the Olympics. It's called Maccabi Games. Um, they have the games and they have the junior games as well. So eight years ago, these guys were 15. They all came together. They got a, a team together. They practice, they practice, they practice, they play. And they weren't very good. And so they made it a, they made it like their mission to when they were uh, eight years later, you know, when some were 23, some were 24, they would come and play in the big games. And they have, and they weren't, they haven't won a game. They were probably better than Mexico, but shot yesterday. And so my, my, my team was, was better. Um, so I guess the question is, and, and look, no one has given me any sort of grief who watched the game about running up the score because we didn't. I mean, I played the five guys who had played the least of my 12 um, between 10 and 15 minutes in the first half. I mean, it's 20-minute halves. It's 10-minute quarters, but it's 20-minute combined halves. And I played them probably 13 minutes or so uh, altogether, maybe a little bit more in the second half. So I, I played the players that the, the back end of my bench, we did not, we pressured some, but didn't press. Like we never turned them over and tried to, we just, uh, music. Here's kind of how I handled it. Right. I didn't want to have any bad habits. I wanted them to get a really good workout and I wanted to feel like, Hey, we're just going to play good, clean basketball, not have any turnovers, try and find the open man, take good shots, run our offense, kind of just almost like scrimmaging against your, your walk-ons, if you will. And um, we were up 85 at one. At, we were up 85 with about two and a half to go. Um, thankfully, we only won by 78 points as they banged in a couple threes late. And so the final score, and I'm not making this, without pressing and without pushing the ball, we pushed the ball most of the game, but in the last five minutes, we walked it up every, every possession, just ran a play. And remember, it's a 24-second shot clock, so you can, like, you can only play so slow. And honestly, our starters, we had one starter. Our, we have a great shooter who hit five threes in the first five minutes of the game. Outside of that, nobody else really could make a shot. Our starters actually didn't shoot the ball very well. And uh, so we won 110 to 32. You ever been a part of anything like that, Ryan, Ramos? You guys ever been a part of a blowout like that? Uh, I've been on the other end of a blowout like that, an embarrassing blowout. But uh, we lost my freshman year in volleyball. We lost twenty-five to six one game. That was pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. it was. But, that's but you about can't really run it up. You can't really run it up in volleyball, can you? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of depends. It just you know depends on how aggressive you are late in that game, right? Like, so you could be going back there, giving it a jump serve, giving it your all, and or you could just sort of be like standing there and giving them a nice easy lollipop. We just were bad. 
and the other team is really good. But I, I, in terms of your situation, if you're putting in the reserves, um, then there's no real – that's not – I have no problem. If you beat a team by 90 with your backups in, like what else are you supposed to do? Doug, does a U-12 blowout count? What do you mean a U-12? Uh, oh, yeah, it was soccer, right? Didn't you guys get blown out in soccer? Your soccer team was your coach? <laughs> How bad yeah. was it? I was 9-0, 9-0. Um, I've seen a soccer game like that where it wasn't my, – my son didn't try out. He should have tried out for travel soccer. He didn't. He, we made him choose between travel baseball and travel soccer. So he went to his buddy's last travel soccer game of the year, and they were getting housed by another team. And, uh, but the other team let them score twice – because otherwise the game would have been called. Like I think it's like a seven goal. It was like a seven goal like mercy rule. So it was like six nothing. And then the other team like actually let them score. And all the kids were like, let them score, let them score. And I I, I actually thought that was worse. Like that's even more humiliating. When we you, we, we want to keep crushing score. you. So here we'll let you have a goal. <laughs> that's that's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. No, look, I got onto my. I I told my guys like, if you're not playing hard, you're coming out. If you take bad shots and you're selfish, you're coming out. Um, and look, if you don't want to play, tell me. They all want to play, and they're they're great. And so I was, I it was it was it was like a perfect workout. Everybody's everybody's healthy. I gave my best player or my second best player the night off. Like he didn't even dress. He helped coach. Like all of that was good, and it was still at a seventy-eight point win. Yeah, like they weren't I mean, tossing alley-oops off the backboard and like shooting half-court shots right like it wasn't like you guys were doing well, we Harlem. play for the half-court shot i'm kidding no we, <laughs> no we did not do that yeah i mean if you're just out there playing especially with your backups in then there's not much else you can do all right as long as you guys approve and my teammates <laughs> appro- approve then that's really what's meanwhile ramos is just remembering you know his u12 soccer team getting housed and run up on and uh, well, wait till you fourteen girls are ready for this season. We're going to be ready to go. No question. Um, so I saw this article from Lee Jenkins, and it's it's interesting that uh, Kevin Durant apparently told Paul George that place, Oklahoma City, will blow you away. George said, "Quote: He told me they can offer you what other teams can't in terms of the people and the preparation, the facility, down to the chefs and meals." Uh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but like Kevin Rand gave away, he he bought two what would be a, a amount to brownstones, and he combined them, and I think he spent like three million dollars on the renovation and the building buildings combined, which is like within walking distance of the arena, and then he sold it for like a million dollars. Anyway, if only Paul George was coming earlier, he could have rented it out to him. So kind of interesting that that KD. Um, said such, I mean, it's not interesting to me. I don't think anything, like Kevin Durant didn't have any bad feelings about Oklahoma City. He just thought it was a better place for him and he wanted to explore living in a different place, playing in a different team, and by the way, winning a championship and he made the right decision. So, I don't know, any Oklahoma City fan that's upset at Kevin Durant, I mean, I think if you read these quotes from Paul George, uh, then uh, then you, you do realize that Kevin Durant is a pretty sincere guy. He really didn't have any problem with Oklahoma City, and he saw value in it. He just saw more value elsewhere. George went on to say, there's no right way to handle it. I get the frustration. I get why people are upset. But at the same time, I want the average fan to understand that we only get a small window to play this game, and more than anything, you want to be able to play for a championship. I wanted to bring that to Indiana. I really did. I love Indiana. That'll always be a special place. I'm sorry uh, for not holding on. But I wasn't sure that we'd ever get a team together to compete for a championship, and that's 
uh, where it where it came from. Um, so he goes on to say that it's it's no locked up cinch. All I was asking was a little help in Indy. Now I'm getting a lot of help in Oklahoma. Uh, I think uh, I fit with how he plays and vice versa. Being a knockdown shooter, I think I can spread the floor for him and run the floor for him. But I also think I can help get him easier opportunities. Uh, he went on to say that, um, uh, it, look, it's not a locked up cinch that he's going to Oklahoma. I grew up a Lakers and a Clippers fan. I idolized Kobe. There will always be a, a tie there, a connection there. People saying, I want to come home. Who doesn't want to play for their hometown team? That's a dream come true. You're growing up uh, growing up on the outskirts of L.A. to be the man in your city. That's definitely overstated. I'm searching for it. If we get a killer season in Oklahoma, we make the conference finals or upset the Warriors, do something crazy, I'd be dumb if I want to leave that. So he's not saying that he's staying in Oklahoma. He's saying like, well, let's let this thing play out and see how it goes. But he's also not saying he's not going to the Lakers. Lakers rolled the dice, but so too did Oklahoma City. My guess is he still ends up wearing purple and gold next year. Sam Darnold's going to be wearing uh, red and gold in Los Angeles for at least this season. Is there any weight on his shoulders in terms of the decision to go pro at the end of the season before the season begins? I'll ask the Heisman Trophy hopeful, USC's Sam Darnold, joins us next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over three thousand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I told you I'm in Jerusalem, Israel, coaching a team. Our first two games were actually really close. I know the final score was uh, 19-point wins on both of them. Uh, Today, not so much. You won by uh, 78 points. Uh, We welcome in Sam Darnold, who most of you know as the Heisman Trophy, uh, hopeful Heisman Trophy favorite per Vegas. He's also starting quarterback at USC. They won the Rose Bowl. Spectacular come from behind fashion against Penn State. Uh, one of the one of the just the litany of great Rose Bowl games, but in the most recent one, it, he was he was phenomenal. Sam was also a really good basketball player at San Clemente High School. Um, biggest blowout football or basketball you've ever been a part of? Um, well, thanks thanks Doug for uh, having me back on. I really appreciate it. Um, biggest blowout? Uh, yeah. Shoot. Either way, you got blown out or you blew somebody else out. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think. I mean, those summer those summer basketball games can be um, kind of shoddy with the talent that we play. So um, I'm sure there was a team in there that we blew out by, you know, like 40 points. Uh, so those were always those were always fun, and uh, got to sit out that second half. But um, no, those those games were always kind of shoddy on the talent that we would play. Um, but, but there yeah, was nobody like in high school football, like like okay, San Clemente. Who was in your who was in your league? There's always one team in in somebody's league in high school that had no shot. Yeah, I mean, we had a couple of those um, in high school. I mean, our, my senior year, we were pretty good. Uh, so yeah, there are definitely a couple of those teams. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily want to name them, uh, but yeah. Why? Well, it's not like def- you have to play them. It's not like you have to play them again, Sam. Yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, we had a couple of those teams in our league uh, my senior year. Um, those games were definitely, you know, not as fun as the nail biters. But, um, no, it was, I mean, you know, you're always going to have one of those in your league unless you're in the, you know, Trinity League on the West Coast, which has, you know, top top of the notch talent. So, 
Sam Darnold joining us, USC starting quarterback, Heisman Trophy favorite. Um, we caught up, but I was at the other pla- at a at a different network. It's great to catch up with you on this one uh, twice. Once when you first started and first kind of took over and took the college football world by storm. Uh, then uh, right after the Rose Bowl, um, so like here we are, seven months since the Rose Bowl, and I think people on the West Coast and college football people knew you before the Rose Bowl, but it's it's different in a game of that level of importance uh, that's that's that well regarded nationally. Penn State, obviously, with the East Coast and Midwest backgrounds with the Big Ten, and of course, the, it's on the East Coast. With with that in mind, how has your life changed since that game? Yeah, um, you know, it's changed in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, obviously it's it's changed a lot for the better. And, you know, I'm really, you know, thankful for that. And, you know, it's been a blessing the whole way through. But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of, you know, the Pac-12 doesn't necessarily get the credit I think that we deserve. But um, at the same time, you know, it's, it's an awesome conference and um, it's got great talent, obviously. Um, and... It's it definitely gets you ready for those bowl games and you know hopefully down the line you know a playoff game if if we happen to get there. So, um, but I mean like media obligations, places you go, like look, I mean you kind of stick out like a, a a sore thumb anyway, not a sore thumb. I mean like you stick out right, big red hair, red hair. You're, <laughs> you got a you know big body. Like you're not you're not a little fella. You know like six four with with a a, a, a pro body and red hair. Like you can't hide. But I would, I would guess it's different, no? Or is it, I mean, you tell me. Yeah, um, you know, sometimes I can hide a little bit. I mean, if I just put a hat on and sunglasses and I'm outside, you know, it's, it's pretty easy. But whenever the red hair is out, you know, some people will recognize me. But it's also easier, too. I think whenever, you know, a, a football player is, you know, popular amongst, like, the crowd or something, uh, it's definitely easier to hide sometimes just because we have our helmets on. Um, whereas, like, you know, a basketball player it always has his face showing. So, um, you know, it's, it's it can be easy at times. But sometimes, you know, if someone um, – like I was at a Dodger game uh, a couple of days ago, and one person came and took a picture with me, and then everyone else realized that, um, you know, I was – It was you. Yeah, it was me. Yeah. So, um, it's you know, it's definitely interesting. But, um, yeah, sometimes I stick out, but other times I can kind of blend in. There's there's this sense that you and Josh Rosen, of course, starting quarterback over at UCLA, and he had a tough year last year with a bunch of injuries. There's a sense, foregone conclusion, you guys are going pro. You're going to be number one and number two in, in the draft. How do you handle that? When you hear that from people, assuming they know what your future holds, how do you handle that? Yeah, um, I think the simplest answer that I can come up with when people say that is just, you know, and it's kind of cliche, but you can only control what you can control. Uh, so, you know, if I have a bad year this year, you know, knock on wood, or if I have a great year, um, we're just going to see what happens from there. You know, I, I need to be able to talk to my family, talk to, you know, all of my coaches. And um, so it's it's definitely going to be a process. But right now, I mean, um, we're just focused on fall camp and we just got a bunch of new freshmen. So right now we're just focused on getting them integrated with our team.
what is the biggest thing you personally have worked on? Because, like, look, when I when you came in, it electrified the offense. You were different. Obviously, the schedule was really difficult for if you were the starting quarterback to start the year. It might not have mattered. I mean, you might not have got smacked by Alabama by that same score. Uh, you might not have struggled as much early on. But like, look, it was a hard beginning to a schedule with a new head coach and new regime and new quarterback for anybody. That said, uh, you kind of took it by storm. But now you kind of have to. People have tape on you. They got, they're going to be able to, to pick apart your weaknesses as defensive coordinators. What have you gone back to self-assess with that coaching staff and said, you know, I need to do this better? Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think first and foremost is just um, in the offseason, I mean, continuing to work on my strength and my speed and getting better in those categories and just keeping up, uh, you know, with the athleticism that I have. But I think also um, going back and looking at those games with my coaches, probably um, just I, I think the one thing that sticks out is just um, staying with my read and um, staying in the pocket, but also, you know, there's a fine line between wanting to stay in the pocket and just kind of go by instinct and run around out there. And, you know, I think personally that's a strong suit of my game is to just kind of make stuff happen. But at the same time, you need to be able to, or I need to be able to, um, you know, kind of keep with my read and stay on, uh, you know, go one, two, three with my read rather than one, two, scramble and find a guy. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's different, right? I mean, like, and, and I mean, we saw that, I mean, you picked the quarterback. I mean, probably the, uh, you know, probably Deshaun Watson's probably the easiest example of that, right? Where early on in his career, he was, I don't know if he was one, two, as much as maybe even one read and then tuck and run. Yeah. And last year, now he had a lot more interceptions, but he stayed until they got to the college football playoff. He stayed in the pocket more and refined himself, uh, whether it's for college or maybe for the NFL. That, that's got to be part of the thinking, yeah. right? Like, I have to be a true pocket passer in order to make it, not just at this level, but the next. Right. Um, no, definitely. But, uh, yeah, I also, I mean, in college football, there's also a fine line, like I said, because uh, you want, you know, you want, um, your quarterback, if he's able to do it, to be able to go around and or run around and make plays. So uh, there's definitely a fine line there, but I'm definitely working on staying in the pocket more and um, you know trusting my line and being able to feel the rush around me rather than just kind of guess. Last year, you guys lost three of your uh, first four games. People left you for dead. There was questions about whether uh, Coach Helton w- would would be back. I mean, that, those were real, legitimate discussions that people were having. Mm-hmm. Uh, however insane it sounds to us on the outside, those were apparently being had on on some level at SC. You turn it around, you go off and and rip off nine consecutive wins. You win a Rose Bowl. You beat UCLA. You beat Notre Dame. You beat Washington, who won the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 championship, and goes to the College Football Playoff. Like right. you, you beat them all. But but there, there's a hunger there when people leave you for dead. Now you're the now you're the hunted instead of the hunter. How not just you personally, but for your team? How do you recreate that? How do you how do you stay hungry? How do you keep your crew hungry instead of fat and uh, and you know right um, and and almost a little bit of arrogance considering how much you turned it around? Yeah, there's definitely that. We want to stay on track, but um, I think Coach Helton has done a great job of um, you know in team meetings um, from the Rose Bowl on till now. I think he's done a great job of. Um, explaining how this is a different team. You know, we've lost guys, and, you know, it's a huge step because we finished the season ranked number three, and it's a huge step to go from number three to number one. Um, and, you know, he's made that very clear, and we've we've worked extremely hard. Um, we've worked, you know, just as hard or 
maybe even harder than last uh, off season. And you know, it's been a great off season with our strength coach, um, our strength coaches, and um, you know, we're just looking to continue the hard work and also just keep our minds focused on the now rather than you know the past. Hey, uh, you went to the? Did you go to the Manning Manning Academy? I did. Yeah. What's that like? Um, it's awesome. You know, it's it's you know it's the experience of a lifetime. Um, you know, you get to talk to Eli and Peyton and Cooper is he's probably one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my life. Um, uh, that's uh, Peyton's older brother. Um, yep. <laughs> and uh, Archie is just you know he has the ability to when you know when he talks the whole the whole room you know goes silent. So. Um, no, it's just, it's awesome to be around them, but, um, I think the biggest thing I got out of that camp was, um, kind of just the way they carry themselves. You know, they don't act like they're too big for anyone. Um, and, you know, I think, um, I think everyone can learn from that and, you know, the example that they set, you know, for all of football. Who keeps you in check? Who's the, who's the person who most calls BS on you if, if you start to go Hollywood, you said, "Hey, sometimes I throw on sunglasses." Who's the yeah. guy who's like, "Dude, come on, don't, 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 don't go Heisman on me." <laughs> um, yeah, probably my friends, my uh, my roommates. Uh, they definitely keep me in check uh, and give me a hard time whenever they sense any any bit of you know that uh, kind of I guess arrogance in me. But um, no, I'm not. I'm not usually that guy. They don't really have to worry about me. But you know, if I if I happen to show any sign of it, they're they're for sure there to, you know, keep me in check. Has the marketing department asked you about any slogans for you for the Heisman? Like I don't know if you know this, Vegas has used the favorite to win the Heisman. Have they asked you like, do you like th- do you like this or do you not like that or they, how how does that work? Um, <clears throat> I mean, they'll they'll usually ask me if you know I like something or if I don't, but. Uh, I usually kind of just tell them to do whatever they want, and uh, you know, if they think if they think it's awesome, then you know, just go ahead. I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of just rolling with the flow right now. Um, but you know, it's been an awesome ride. Uh, but you know, we're really just focused on having a great year. But when it comes to like slogans and all that, you know, I'll let them kind of take care of that. <laughs> Yeah, you, you mentioned a ride. Only 10 starts under your belt, and, and think of the ride that you've been on. Look, man, can't wait to see you at fall camp. I'll, I'll pop in. i uh, love to catch up. In the meantime, enjoy your summer, and thanks for joining us on Fox Sports Radio. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Doug. All right, that's uh, Sam Darnold joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He couldn't remember any any serious blowout, or he didn't want to – like, I understand not wanting to call out, like, a, a school you might play. Like, oh, remember that team? Like, uh, we blew out Utah State. Will you play Utah State this year? But it's like, dude, like, listen, if you beat La Habra 72 to 3, you're not going to play La Habra High School anymore, Sam Darnold. And nobody in La Habra is going to be like, that's Sam Darnold. He ran it up on us when he was in high school. This true story, guys. I don't know if you know. So uh, Sam grew up. He went to San Clemente. That's, uh, the, that's a very, that's the most southern, I guess, city, town, whatever city in Orange County. Like after that, San Onofre, which is the old uh, nuclear facility that's, uh, that, that, that's been shut down. And then it's like military land into Camp Pendleton. And, uh, and then you get to like Oceanside, which is the very northern part of San Diego. So I grew up in the city of Orange, went to high school in Tustin, which is probably 25 minutes up to 5 Freeway, uh, depending on traffic. I mean, you could make it in 15 in the middle of the night. And you could probably make it in an hour otherwise. But 25 is probably about the midpoint. Anyway, um, so 
Uh, I, you know, look, when you have a Division One athlete or a good one on your high school team, you're usually going to be better than other teams. I didn't play a single I, – I played two fourth quarters in our league games my senior year. I only played in two fourth quarters. So that's – we didn't run up the score. We scored, scored a lot of points. We didn't run up the score. Anyway. Ryan, it was really hard to uh, to compare the volleyball scores. Like I know twenty five to six is a whooping in volleyball, but I it's just one of those things that that people in, it, you know, like you're sitting in your car going like twenty five to six. Like what's the big deal? Like unless it's baseball, twenty five to six doesn't seem that bad. But that is in <laughs> fact an ass whooping in volley in volleyball. Correct? Oh, that's that's really bad because I've played. So there's a difference between side out and rally scoring. So side out is the old form of scoring when you would play to 15 and you could only get a point if you were the serving team. Now, right. so rally scoring. It's, yeah, so that means any time you actually win a point, you get a point. You get a and point. So rally, so rally scoring, you lost 26 to 5? Uh, 25 to 6. 20, so out of the entire game, there was only six times we actually scored a point on them. Not just like, oh, yeah, we got the serve back and then we were able to get a point on defense. No, they kept serving us the ball and we just couldn't score. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. It, usually the cutoff is like, even if you're outmanned by another team, you got to get to double digits. So barely getting halfway to the double digit mark, that's about as bad as it gets. Isn't it amazing, though, you, you play a sport that completely changed how they scored it? Like there, that it's one of those things that I don't think it gets the credit it deserves, or maybe the criticism it deserves. Like volleyball completely changed. Like hockey has changed overtime rules in the regular season. Uh, first to four on four it used to be. Now it's three on three. Like that's big, and it changed the. You go back. I don't know. It's probably fifteen years ago. They started rewarding you for tying in regulation. Then you get an additional point for winning in overtime. Right. So they changed the value of wins, wins in, against wins in overtime, but they didn't change change the score. It wasn't like if you score a goal, like you got two points. Like football has changed the distance in a PAT, but they didn't change the value of a PAT. Volleyball completely changed how you score, <laughs> how you able, like, how you're able to earn a point. Yes, I mean completely. And then change like what we're going to. I, I just is amazing. Really, really amazing stuff. Um. All right, always enjoy catching up with Sam Darnold. We got to go out, Ryan, one day to uh, to fall camp. Maybe talk some hoops with him as well. He's a good hooper in high school. Bryce Harper has an idea about changing the All Star Game format. Not changing the way they score it. That's only volleyball. We'll get to that after we find what's trending. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. So, look, we, we'd all agree that the All-Star Game, All-Star Games, they're like malls, right? Like, for now, they still exist. I mean, I still like going to Nordstrom's. I just do. I understand that you can buy stuff at Amazon, but I've always liked Nordstrom's. I know sometimes you're paying a little bit more, but you can take things back whenever you want. You know that, that rule, right, guys, that you can take things back, like, whenever you want? Like, when did you get these AG jeans? Like, well, seven years ago, but I bought them here. Like, okay, sure. Like, that's Nordstrom's deal. So I think malls will still exist for, and, and look, they're changing malls now. 
Uh, some of them are going to have big box stores, but even big box stores are struggling. Big box are like, you know, like Best Buy and things like that. Um, but a lot of them are going to where they have, you know, the movie theaters where they serve dinner. All kinds of diff- different restaurants and more niche stores, you know, more specialty stores than the big box department stores because all the big box department stores are the ones competing against Amazon and Zappos, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think they're going to go away, although there will be some. There will be some which are going to become, you know, vacant, especially the, the low end areas that just, you know, once people get high speed Internet, they're like, why would I spend the time to get in my car? And drive down to the mall when I can press, I can click, and Zappos is going to deliver the shoes to my house. If I don't like them, I put them back in the box, and they're gone the next day. But all star, all star games are—they're going to be around as long as people watch them. It's—I've said this time and again for the last ten years, and people are like, "Why, why doesn't, why doesn't football just do away with the Pro Bowl?" Because people watch, and if people watch, they make money. If they can make money on a fake football game. In a week when there was no football game, why wouldn't you keep doing it? They make lots of money. There's your answer. TV, whoever broadcast, I think ESPN broadcasts it, they broadcast it, they make a lot of money. The NFL makes a lot of money off selling the rights to a game, which people do, in fact, watch. They watch. So, um, Bryce Harper says, I'm, I'm sure he kind of feels like I do, which is like, eh, all-star game, do we need ANL? Do we need AL? How can we spice it up? Here's a star for the Washington Nationals with his thoughts. I think, you know, the best record in baseball should have home field advantage no matter what. So, I mean, I think that's definitely good. It'd be great if we saw two guys that uh, leading vote getters, you get the list of players that got voted in by the, and then you do a draft system and you draft both sides. So, I mean, I could be facing Max Scherzer today. <laughs> you know, nobody sees that. So, it'd be a lot of fun to be able to do something like that. I think that'd be awesome. I do. I actually completely agree with Bryce Harper. Now, I would do fewer players. Like, you don't need as many relief pitchers. Matter of fact, you don't need, you can have like one, whoever the best middle reliever is and the best closer or two. Like, that's kind of all you need. The rest should be starting pitchers. And like, you don't need that many pitchers, especially if it's an exhibition game. Like, we're only going nine innings or the most we're going is 10 innings or something like that. If you make it like that and you make it like a Sandlot game, and oh yeah, by the way, like I un- I totally understand that it's an honor for everybody. Why don't you really make it an honor? Right, you need two catchers, fine. You need, what, how many infielders do you really need? You know? You got four, you need six. You don't have to go two or three deep. And you go like five outfielders, that's enough. Like there's your team. You don't need doubling up at every position. Like, make it like, I mean, honestly, you could do five infielders and you'd be fine. Make it a supreme honor to make the All-Star game. If you do, let's say you do six infielders, right? That's six. You do four outfielders, maybe five. That's 11. You got to have two catchers. That's 13. And you do, I don't know. Six or seven pitchers? You know, you do 20 guys a side? Like, isn't that enough? That's actually more than enough. You could probably do it with 15, and they'd just be just fine. Like, if you get the 30 or, and the thirty best ball players, and then you have the fans select the last two, you, gotta, you have a fun game. 
Like, why do we have to make it so formal, AL versus NL? Especially if we would all agree it was a really dumb idea. It was a. It was not really thought out. And, you know, the game. This this game matters. That was Bud Selig's baby. That's not Rob Manfred's baby. We all know it's a bad. And don't get me wrong. Best record in baseball does not necessarily mean you are the best team in baseball or had the best season because the schedules aren't alike. But at least you had some impact. Or you made some portion of the, the decision as to whether or not your team would uh, would get home field advantage. Otherwise, you're just leaving it up to a manager that doesn't really care. And the players, they you know, they start to care a little bit at the end. But, like, you're deciding who gets home field advantage. And it didn't matter last year with Cleveland as it became, like, a de facto home game. But, but like, look, Chicago playing in Cleveland. Why? Because... A middle reliever against a guy who is the one selection for uh, for his team for his team in the All Star game. That's going to decide who gets home field advantage in in the World Series. Like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But I like Bryce Harper's idea. We've seen this with the NBA, sort of. Seen this with the NHL. Major League Baseball should make it like a sandlot game. People won't watch more or watch less. You either watch the All Star game or you don't. Period. Wait to hear what Skip Bayless had to say about Aaron Judge and how he compares to LeBron James. We'll get to that as we play What Did the Fox Say next. Every day on the Doug Gottlieb Show, we try and pick a portion of one of the outstanding shows that you'll hear on Fox Sports Radio. You wake up with Clay Travis. Uh, then you get the un- undisputed with uh, Joy Taylor, Shannon Sharp, and Skip Bayless. You get Dan Patrick. You get uh, Colin Cowherd or Rich Eisen. You get me. Uh, then you get on satellite radio, Sirius XM Channel 83. You get Speak for Yourself. We're not our final hour is covered up by Speak for Yourself, which on Fox Sports 1. Jason Whitlock um, and Colin and whomever else they have on as a guest. You get Steve Gorman, of course, on Fox Sports Radio. JT the Brick. Uh, ben Mahler, Jason Smith. Uh, it's its a murderer's row of a lineup. So we try and pick out one or two segments of somebody else's radio show or TV show on radio that we really, really like. And we put them all together kind of like this. And now. <laughs> what does the fuck say? Skip Bayless on The Undisputed had this to say about Aaron Judge and how he compares him to LeBron James. Aaron Judge is already way beyond LeBron James because... Aaron Judge, as a rookie, participated in the Home Run Derby. And LeBron James, after 14 NBA seasons, still hasn't participated in his first slam dunk contest. And he's not. Where are you, LeBron? What happened? Where were you when we needed you? And this is my theory, and I think it's the true theory. LeBron dreaded being on that solo stage against a potentially hot opponent who had come up with some shocking new slam dunk move Mm -hmm. and captivated the crowd. Um, Look, I agree, actually, with a lot of what Skip is saying here. And then I think he just takes it kind of that step way too far at the end where he's like he's worried about the hot dunker doing the dunk he's never seen. It was a mistake in LeBron James' career, the first five years in the NBA, to not be in the dunk contest. And you could say, well, yeah, yeah, but that's not his thing. Then why did he wear Michael Jordan's number? Like, Michael Jordan was a great scorer, was a great player. 
but his first commercial, him, you know, dunking and the sound of an airplane in the background. It was like Nike flight. And he first burst onto the scene really in the dunk contest. And then in his second year in the NBA playoffs against the Boston Celtics when he had 49 and 63 in back-to-back games. But he was, he was, the, great, he was the greatest big competition dunker we've seen. Like, remember back then they weren't allowed, kind of like now, they weren't allowed to miss dunks. They could miss one dunk a competition, and he won all those competitions he was in. So I think it was a mistake. Do I think that LeBron didn't do it because of a hot dunker? No, I think he did it because, or didn't do it because he probably felt like there was more for him to lose than there was for him to gain. But that sounds like a decision made by other people, or if you're a competitor, you're like, look, I'm going to go win the dunk contest anyway. It shouldn't matter. I actually do think, and as much as, and look, for Aaron Judge, you can fail in the home run derby and nobody cares. Steph Curry failed a couple of times in the, the NBA three-point shooting contest and nobody cares. The dunk contest, there is more pressure, there is more focus than the home run derby and the three-point shooting contest. But I also think that Pressure burst pipes. So if you don't have it in you, you know you don't have it in you, don't go do it. I'm I'm still stunned he didn't, but now we've gotten past the point of no return. He shouldn't be in a dunk contest. All right, Tom Verducci was on the herd earlier today, joined us yesterday, it was spectacular. He said this about how valuable Bryce Harper is to his or potentially another team. I think he's the most valuable property in baseball because he's going to be a free agent after next year. You can't touch Kershaw, you can't touch Trout right now. This guy as an everyday player with flair, who hits home runs, who is good-looking guy, who gets the whole thing about responsibility beyond yourself to the game. To me, there's nobody more valuable in baseball. That contract, the meter is going to drop at $400 million next year and probably get closer to five. Yeah, I don't see it. Um, I know Verducci I know Verducci knows the market, and he may be right, but you tell me where that market is coming from. Tell me, like, why would the Yankees spend all that money on Bryce Harper? He's not that valuable to them. I don't believe that. The Dodgers, why would they spend all of that money on one player? Tell me the guy who's the everyday player who's been worth it. Who's been worth it. These teams are selling 4 million tickets in tickets anyway. And while it may help their cable ratings, like what really helps your cable ratings is winning a World Series. And you don't win a World Like, what have they? He's been a great player throughout his career. What have the Nationals actually done? I'm not demeaning that Bryce Harper is a valuable asset. He is. I'm not telling you he's not going to get paid a lot more money than maybe you think he is. But and and he's more in his prime than Pujols was when he got his 10-year deal with the Angels. But but the point is pretty simple. Why would anybody put so much, so many resources, so much money into one guy instead of spreading it around? When baseball has become about depth of youth, depth of guys under club control, and depth of pitchers, not hitters, is what helps you get to and win in the postseason. Uh, We're told it's the Midsummer's Classic, right? Told it's the Midsummer's Classic. Um, Coming up next, I want to tell you what an NBA team could learn from Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees. Plus, do you actually, like, it feels like there's no recent World Series memories. Am I the only one who doesn't have any recent World Series memories? 
When was the, like, when was the last time he's like, oh, that happened? I, like Mike Trout won the MVP a couple of times. I don't know. We'll discuss it next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. What up? It's the Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio coming to you this week from Jerusalem, Israel. It is just another bomb track. Uh, Rob Parker is going to join us in a couple minutes. Rob Parker, Fox Sports 1, also Fox Sports Radio, longtime friend of the program. We'll say what, see what crazy stuff he has to say. I believe he went to the Home Run Derby last night. People are freaking out about, uh, about Aaron Judge, and they should be. They should be. Although, it's one thing to say he's another Yankee, but he appears to be another Yankee in terms of the lack of desire to say anything. Like, I, he's, he's bright. He's interesting. He's got a great backstory, but it like he's he went total Derek Jeter. Like music. Did you ever have you ever booked Derek Jeter on a radio show? No, I have not. I wonder if, I'm sure Cindy Katz, who uh, also books this show, she's she's been in this business. Oh yeah, she certainly has. I'm sure she has. She will tell you. Um, um, we I have an expression like a Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter is the perfect example. Um, you know, like, all right, to be in the Spurrier zone, like, you know what the Mike Tyson zone is, right, music? But Mike Tyson zone is, because there's so many stories about Mike Tyson are, in fact, true, there's no story about Mike Tyson that you wouldn't believe to be true. That's the Tyson zone, right? I, I believe Bill Simmons coined that one. The one I coined was the Spurrier zone. That's when a coach is so accomplished and usually so old that they know they can say anything they want the most part and get away with it because like at the end of the day even if they say something really stupid that's offensive they just go they just play the old and senile card well i know i'm just old and senile well um the Derek jeter uh, a the Derek jeter effect or going Derek jeter on an interview every booker for any show when Derek Jeter was playing, would love to have Derek Jeter. Here's the problem with having Derek Jeter on radio or on TV when you book him. And I was never a producer, but I've had Derek Jeter on. And I've had the pleasure of hanging out a little bit last year at the uh, the Pump Brothers Cancer Research Dinner with Derek Jeter. It was actually a year and a half ago. He's a delightful guy, an interesting guy. But when the lights go on and you start asking him questions about his opinion, oh, he wants no part of it. Derek Jeter is the great, like, it's one of those, um, you have a show rundown. A show rundown is what you talked about, who you had on the show, and you pass it around, and you're like, hey, check it out. We had Sam Darnold today. Sam Darnold's great. Whoever, if that's you or that's Cindy, whoever booked him, great job. Sam Darnold, USC. If you want to hear my interview with Sam Darnold, we talked about how life has changed since uh, beating Penn State in the Rose Bowl, how he stays humble, who calls BS on him. Uh, you can download the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Go to wherever you download podcasts. iTunes is probably the easiest. Don't forget to rate us. But Sam Darnold will usually, he didn't say a ton today, but sometimes he'll say some stuff, interesting stuff. Aaron Judge has been trained to go Derek Jeter. Like Derek Jeter looks great in a run. Rundown is what you pass around the rundown. Look, we had Sam Darnold, we had Derek Jeter. You had Derek Jeter? Yeah, what'd he say? Absolutely nothing. Which is what Aaron Judge seems to be saying. 
seems to be saying. On the other hand, he was so good last night. And he's been so good in the first half of the season. And he's, like, you know, uh, Alex Rodriguez talked about him in glowing terms, like a LeBron James effect. I, I Alex Rodriguez is a big dude, right? He's 6'4". Um, you look at Matt Holiday, 6'4", 6'5", 240 pounds. And Aaron Judge makes Matt Holiday look like the old version. He looks like the new version. He towers over him. But if you look at the numbers last night from uh, from the Home Run Derby, is it because Aaron Judge? Yes, but it's also because Aaron Judge and Sanchez are Yankees, and there are a lot of Yankee fans out there. And there are a lot of fake Yankee fans out there. Right? Like, why are people Yankee fans? Is it because they like the Yankees and they know the history? A little bit. A lot of it is because the Yankees won five World Series in their lifetime. And people want to be, they want to be fans of a winning team. Like, you, unless you're born in Milwaukee, I was born in Milwaukee. Uh, Buyer was born in Wisconsin, not in Milwaukee. Like, you weren't born at Columbia Hospital, or yeah, I was born at Columbia Hospital. I was born in the north central part of the state, small right. town. Unless you're from, unless you're from, was like, there's not a lot of, there's nobody claims Brewers. Right? They don't have, they haven't had. I mean, they had Ryan, like a Ryan Braun, but then nobody's like, again, nobody's claiming to be a Ryan Braun fan anymore. Even when he's been playing clean, he's been playing well since playing clean. Like Paul Molitor, that's back in the day, Robin Yount, but we're talking 25, 30 years ago. Unless you're from Milwaukee or from Wisconsin, like that's your state's team. Nobody claims those teams, but it's not because there's anything wrong with those teams. It's because one, they're not in big markets. And two, most importantly, they haven't won. The Yankees might not have won recently, but they were a dominant team winning five World Series. And, uh, uh, you know, they were in the playoffs for like 14 straight years, something crazy like that. And it to me, it signals why as good as the NBA has been, as well watched as the NBA is, think about the numbers for the NBA and then think about the fact that the NBA is doing such a great job in the finals with LeBron and Steph. And they're doing it without New York. They're doing it without Chicago. And they're doing without LA. Let's welcome in Rob Parker from Fox Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports One. Sometimes fills in on this show as well. And, of course, he joins us. And and it's about a 50-50 split between really, really, really smart, insightful stuff and Rob Parker going to crazy town. That's why we love him. Uh, there you, did you go. go to the home run derby last night? Did you go to the home run derby last night? I sure did, man. Enjoyed every minute of it. It used to be a lot. It used to be longer and, and boring. Um, it used to, I mean, it used to be, it felt, it feels like it moves it. You were in the stadium. Did it move along quicker? Yes. And I think the new format and the time limit and what they do now is much better. And it left you wanting more rather than, is this thing not over yet? That didn't, it didn't feel like that. I don't know how it came across on television, but the energy in the building was great the whole night. And then we got to watch Aaron judge who Doug, he was the talk of the All-Star game and, and the Derby and the first half, and all the pressure was on him. He sits there for an hour and a half, and then he looks up at the scoreboard. He's got to beat a 22. I mean, 22 home runs. And for him to, to come back and do what he did 
and win the Derby was just an amazing feat to what has been an amazing first half for this young guy, 25 years old. And I said this this morning on Undisputed. Aaron Judge is the face of Major League Baseball, not Mike Trout, not Bryce Harper. I'm talking about right here, right now. It's Aaron Judge. And I know that sounds like a lot for a rookie, and this guy's in the hunt to win a Triple Crown, win the Rookie of the Year, and win the American League MVP. This is where he is at this point. And the other part is he's what baseball has been looking for. Along with all the others, he's a good guy and, and, and all that, and he's a, and he can hit. As you know, Doug, it's about home runs. Remember the old adage, chicks love the long ball? Baseball chicks fans love the, love the long ball. And this guy has a chance to be bigger and better than Derek Jeter. And Derek Jeter, I always say, had the most perfect career. Won five championships with the Yankees, played 20 years did everything right, you know what I mean, and had a almost perfect career. But this kid here with the home run uh, ability can put him on a different level. All right, well, let me, let me, let me, let me stop, in your, stop in your tracks here for a second, okay? I love you, and I love your passion for it. And I agree the kid could be a superstar. And he checks. There's a, there's a couple boxes there which you, didn't, you, don't have to, you don't have to mention, but the fact that he's – uh, the fact that he's black, I I think only he's a Yankee. He's black. He's a Yankee. He's gigantic. He's good looking. He's a good guy. He wears ninety nine. He doesn't even make a lot of money, nor can he make a lot of money for uh, three more years. Really, to be completely honest, like there's all right. of the any of these things that you could not like about a guy. You can't not like this guy, but. Dude, he's never going to be Derek Jeter. Okay, Derek Jeter hit a home run for his 3,000th hit. Then, in his last game as a Yankee, 20 years in, he went five for five. In addition to all the other the the gift bags for all the babes and all the starlets that he dated, like I love you. He may be a better ball player than Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter might be the most overrated ball player of our our any generation, but he ain't never going to be Derek Jeter because of all the little things he did in the moments that he did them. There's no doubt about it. And he has so many signature plays that you can remember, you know, in Oakland, the flip to home plate. I could go on and on and on. And I was there for for that 3,000 hit, the home run, and all that. But I'm going to tell you just the difference. And and this is where I get my my, uh, cue from the Yankees. First of all, uh, Joe Girardi, the manager in May, says he reminds me of Derek Jeter. And he's mostly talking about the demeanor and the way he handles himself, right? Not not exactly that he did everything like Judah, but just that stuff. And then the Yankees, who never do anything for anybody, when they put up that section for the fans, the judges' chamber, that told me a lot about what they think about this kid and whether or not he can handle it and, and, and to be able to step out in, in that arena, in that city, Doug, where you know people are ready to tear you down as soon as your uh, things aren't going your way. And when the Yankees of all teams did that, I, I took notice and I said, this is not just some guys having a, a, a lucky first half or whatever. I watched this guy last night, and you know when you take BP and you're just hitting home runs out, it's normally to your pull field. Doug, did you see him spray the field everywhere, hitting home runs to center field, to right field, to left field? It was an unbelievable display. It looked like Wade Boggs who used to rip singles everywhere except that they were home runs. 
that's how. No, he, that's, it's funny. It, this- it's funny you bring that up, Rob. It's funny you bring that up. So I don't know if you know this. Matt Holiday, who's a DH, plays some left, plays right, uh, plays center, uh, first base for for the Yankees. Is a dear friend of mine, and he actually told me that he said because I've actually gone and watched Matt's uh, BP routine. You know, when they first get up there, they're just they work on taking outside pitches to right field, spraying in the right field, and he's like, right. dude, the, the, I, he's not just hitting him over the wall when he's spraying the right field. He's hitting them 10, 15 rows deep, and then when he's really try, like like his kids who have been around the St. Louis Cardinals uh, up up until this year for like a like almost a decade, right? And around some right. of the great hitters and great teams, like they come to batting practice and stop everything they're doing just to watch this guy hit a baseball. No, I know, and that's what I'm saying. It, it's it, this is not this is not, and I, I know it's it's a lot for a guy who just played, you know, the first half of his first full season, and I get it. And there's a long way to go, and he's going to have to win some championships and some home runs and all that. But I just when I watch the guy, it's just the feeling when you see somebody. And usually, I always say this. Great players are usually great from the very beginning. It's not like I remember Dwight Gooden from day one and how dominant he was. It didn't take him, you know, some pitchers, they say, oh, it takes you three or four years before you find yourself. It didn't take Dwight Gooden three or four years. He was good from day one. He stepped on that mound. And that's what I see with, with Aaron Judge is that he is there. He's, he's something special. And for all the players who wanted to watch him yesterday, that told me a lot. Because they, they know how hard it is in that game, especially especially to hit home runs. It's not People think it's so hard. You know, you got to have the right swing and be able to lift the ball. It's, it's a very difficult thing. And I just think it's great for baseball. The commissioner has to be happy. The Yankees got to be thrilled to death to have this star making no money, you know, for the next few years as they, as they reboot and put this team together. And they're going to be in a great position. So I, I enjoyed it so much last night. And uh, he, the guys are strong. Well, well the, 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 the thing here's – so last year the Cubs carried the numbers and, and kind of saved Major League Baseball. I said a couple months ago Aaron Judge can make regular season baseball watchable. Rob Manfred's dream has to be one thing, right? It has to be uh, the Cubs, maybe the Nationals – or I guess Don't possibly the Dodgers. the Dodgers against against the Yankees in the World Series. The there's more Cubs fans. The, the Dodgers have Clayton Kershaw, but the Cubs right. would would bring a better number. The Cubs against yeah. the Yankees in the World Series is the that that amounts to the LeBron against Kobe that we never got. Remember, we never got LeBron Kobe in the NBA Finals. Right, it was that close. Remember, Kobe. Orlando Orlando knocked him off. It was it came close. But I hear you. And the other thing, too, for Major League Baseball, you know this, like some other leagues, and I heard you talking about the NBA getting by without New York and Philadelphia and some of these major cities. But baseball's always better when the Yankees are good. It doesn't mean they have to win every year. But you want the Yankees to be good, not bad. And I think that's why the commissioner and and the league has to be thrilled. Um, All-Star game in Miami, like you, is it, is it a big thing? Like it's it's hot. I know they like baseball there, but they've been, baseball been so bad. Uh, I'm not saying you're a man about town, but you have been a man about town. Uh, what do you think of the actual site of tonight's All Star Game? Uh, I, I like it, and you know the roof is closed, so it's not humid. It's very comfortable. Actually, you needed a jacket in there because the air is blowing so good. And then you step out and you realize there's thunderstorms going on, 
and it's muggy as all heck, and it would have been very uncomfortable. So it'll be closed again, and it'll be nice and comfortable, and people were into it. I give the fans down here credit. And the other thing, too, I think I know Miami gets a bad rap, but uh, how many other organizations have won two World Series in the last 20 years? Not too many, and I know they dismantled the team in, in 90s, after the 97 one, but, uh, you know, they've won a couple of World Series down here, and uh, this town is just a bad town to me in all sports, not just baseball. You know, the Dolphins don't sell out. I mean, if people don't want to believe it, they don't sell out down here. And, you know, as soon as LeBron was going on that side show. We remember the Miami fans leaving early in game six before Ray Allen hit that shot. Rob, enjoy tonight's all-star game. We'll catch up with you and get you to come up and argue with me uh, in the Sherman Oaks studio when I get back from Israel. In the meantime, thanks so much for joining us on Fox Sports Radio. Always, Doug. Thank you, buddy. All right, that's Rob Parker, Fox Sports opinionist, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. High school football lives to see at least one more day. But are those days numbered? We discuss next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I read this piece earlier today, and I, I thought it's uh, really interesting. Actually, um, yeah, it's from... Uh, it's not at CBSSports.com. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Much has been made about the dangers of playing football to the point that some parents have bemoaned letting their children even play Pop Warner. However, a study uh, from JMA Neurology, players up to the high school level are not at risk at long-term cognitive or mental damage. The question that that study seeks to answer is, does playing high school football have a statistically and clinically significantly adverse association with cognitive impairment and depression at 65 years of age in order to answer that question the piece goes on the study was conducted among about 4,000 men 3,900 who averaged 64.4 years of age it utilized a wisconsin longitudinal study among men who graduated high school in 1957 according to the study there was no statistical or clinical significant harmful association between playing football in high school and increased impairment or depression later in life on average in essence Men, based upon the study that JMA Neurology, who played high school football, did not experience cognitive issues later in life. Okay. This, the piece goes on to say, like, look, this was high school football played 60 years ago. And so it's very, very different. What it points to is something that I believe I have said before on radio, but if you haven't listened, here it is. High school football is in danger. Football is dangerous. We know this football, especially um, at a high level, but football probably at any level, especially with helmets and shoulder pads, but especially the helmets. Uh, football increases your risk of brain damage. It just does. Like there's you can we can argue about what percentage of increase there is. But if you play football at a high level, you're increasing your risk of brain damage. That doesn't mean you're absolutely getting brain damage, but you're substantially increasing your risk. And while this study does not offer up any proof that high school football, high school football 
can increase your risk of brain damage. All it takes is a couple of st- a study here, a study there, a, a um, somebody to have depression, have CTE, trace it back to only playing high school football, sue, have others join the suit, make it a class action lawsuit, and states are scared that look, states are running in a deficit in most places anyway. They don't have. They don't have the pockets and their insurance doesn't have the pockets to cover too much litigation. And at some point, if it gets too messy and if it gets too deep, they'll just say like, all right, the hell with it. We're not doing high school football because we can't get it insured. That day's not here and the study doesn't prove it, but the day is coming. The day's coming. Uh, my guess would be, this is just a guess, it's in the next 20 years. Because if you look, we didn't have any of these studies talking about pro football five years ago, ten years ago. None of them. Or none, that at least, that became public. Now you have so many different stories go public. You have college football studies. College football, at least, can protect itself because um, they have greater resources and endowments to pay things to go away. Uh, they also, you're having players sign up for, you know, with basically with the universities to play football, it, it becomes something that they do in order to earn a scholarship as opposed to a high school football player who's just trying to perform an athletic event to be cool at his high school. That's, that's still my guess. I still think high school football is very, very much in danger. Very much in danger. And that doesn't mean imminent danger. Very much in danger. Um, yeah, I look, I don't want to get ahead of myself with Aaron Judge. I think he's awesome. I don't think he's going anywhere. But I, let's not, like, get ahead of ourselves in terms of him being a superstar. He is, he does have a magnetic appeal to him. Uh, whether it's because he's a Yankee, he's huge, he's good, he hits home runs, he's good-looking, he's smart, he's, uh, he's black. There's, like, a, there's a bunch of different boxes which, like, He's basically the dream baseball player for Rob Manfred. But the Yankees got to make the playoffs. That's kind of important. They got to get Matt, Hall- Matt Holiday back healthy. Why did Chris Paul leave the Clippers? He talked about it, and he'll find out why after we find out what's trending. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I had an amazing dinner tonight. I just want to share that with you, Ryan. And and some of you guys are like, wait, what do you mean you had dinner? It's afternoon here or it's midday here or whatever. Uh, I'm broadcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. It is uh, creeping closer and closer to 1 a.m. It's 1231 a.m. here, um, Israeli Standard Time. I don't know if that's actually the time, but I'm going to call it Israeli <laughs> Standard Time. I don't think so. I have no, I have no idea what the time zone is. Um, I mean, I had one of those, like, they brought, like, on the house, they brought watermelon with, um, what's the cheese? Uh, watermelon and feta in, like, a bowl. Watermelon, feta, and uh, pesto. Pesto sauce. All in a bowl. It was like an appetizer. And, it, and then we had some sort of roasted 
eggplant, which was amazing. And then I had a portobello mushroom stuffed with some cheese on top of a sweet potato puree. Like, I felt like a foodie all of a sudden. I don't know anything about this stuff. Like, I was like, can I get a burger? You know, can I get you some cheese and chicken? I have, I, I'll admit it, I've kind of reached my hummus limit. Like, no more hummus. Do you want some hummus? Like, I, I love hummus. I've had hummus and watermelon for the past 15 days. Can we find something else? Anyway, spectacular dinner. Music, you a foodie? Uh, yeah, you see, I love food. Yeah, yeah. No, but no. But you know, what, you know what a foodie is. Yeah, well, someone who likes to venture off into the finer dining type experiences beyond. Yes, it doesn't just... necessarily have to be finer dining as much as it could be uh, something kind of unique. Yeah, like, like you know, like something you'd see on the Food Network. You know, where it's kind of it seems a little bit obscure. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm um, all for uh, trying out new types of foods. Yeah, no, it was, it was pretty spectacular. Um, I don't know if Dan Byer's a foodie. You know what he is? He's great for the press. The press. Not very much a foodie, Doug. Um, I love food, but just not a foodie. So you're not okay. That's you fair. Know. Like, listen, not everybody likes the same. Like, some dudes are into playing pool. Some dudes are into the piano. Some dudes, you know, whatever. So um, we're good with it. You good with Chris Paul leaving the Clippers? Well. Some people are going to have to be because he's gone. <laughs> and speaking with the undefeated, the new Rockets guard explained why he left the Clippers in Los Angeles. This is a quote from the piece, Doug, where he said, quote, I feel like the last six years we've had a great run. I felt like it was not only a good time, a good change for me, but for the team, too. Everyone says we get killed. We can't get there. We just can't get over the hurdle. I felt like it was time for a change. Right. Austin Rivers also came out and said that he talked, he spoke with Chris Paul and that uh, Chris Paul said it was BS having anything that he had, that he left because of Austin Rivers. Um, okay. Look, I, you know, I don't know how much I believe it. I, I do think it's interesting. Like, oh, we couldn't get over the hump, so I'm going to leave. It's, he, he did the it's not you, it's me. That's what he keeps doing. Mm-hmm. It's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's me. Oh, no. It's not L.A. It's not Doc Rivers. It's not Austin Rivers. It's me. Um. And he could come back at the end of next year, I guess, or could come back to L.A. and play for the Lakers next year. That's an actual possibility. Because mm. remember, it was a sign-and-trade. He retained his bird rights. Sure. How about tonight? That said, I, I don't. That said, I, I don't terrible. I don't believe him. I, I think he felt like the organization wasn't running away in which they knew how to compete for a championship. Oh. And you look at the change in Houston from last year to this year, and now from this year to next year. It's one that has continued to evolve. I still don't think it wins him a championship, and I think it's a little bit of an odd fit, but I do get the fact that he believes uh, they have a smarter way of using their resources to get a better allotment of talent. Doug, when you were talking about tonight, you weren't that far off. Israel summertime or Israel daylight time is the time zone that you could be using. So, yeah, you you were right on the money. I like that you guys guys are quick with the knowledge. Ratings for last night's home run derby, the highest since 2009 on ESPN and the second highest for the event since 1999. Kansas City actually rated the highest in watching the event in cities across the country with New York City in second place. So the derby was a must-watch, at least for some baseball fans out there a derby was a must watch um it's like it look it's an easy watch too it's you know it's you flip on you see home runs you don't have to search for things when was the last well, give me your last world series i mean excuse me all-star game memory dan Byer. 
<laughs> my last all-star game memory yeah like what's uh, what's the last one like i remember i remember when they all gathered around ted williams how about i the, remember yeah. I, I know mike trout won the mvp like two times like in his first three years or something but i can't remember any specific moments i remember barry bonds getting robbed of a home run i guess and then he tried to pick up that guy and tory hunter him, although he wasn't really throwing i right. remember leaving in the tory hunter? the uh the at the end of the fourth inning last year in san diego <laughs> to beat traffic which is what i did so i saw the first four innings i saw david ortiz take a walk off of the late jose fernandez and then um have an ovation i stayed through the end of four and left while i was still daylight in san diego so when i was when it was in um when it was at anaheim stadium this is a true story i was working at espn at the time went to the home run derby i was so worn down by it that they got me tickets to the all-star game i gave them to a buddy and i took my kids to the beach and there was it was a beautiful day and there's nobody on the beach and the flyover came you know right after the stadium then it goes down and we we kind of got a flyover over at the beach Nice. It was fine. Nice. I didn't. I didn't miss anything at all. I can't tell you anything about that All Star game that I didn't see on highlights. It will be interesting. Though. Be I don't watch All Star games. I'm like, this is not. Oh, you work for Fox. You got to watch All Star games. Like, I don't watch NBA All Star games. I don't watch Pro Bowls. That's for sure. And I don't watch Major League Baseball All Star games because it's not real sport. It's not real sports. You're different than John's yeah. soccer team because all they did was watch the opponent score goals on them last year. Oh! Yeah. How about that? Ouch. Uh, can't do it. Uh, speaking of all-star games in Southern California, I mentioned San Diego. You mentioned in Anaheim. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said that they'd likely award the all-star games for 2020 through the 2022 season all at once. It's believed the Dodgers are interested in hosting one of the games in Los Angeles. The Dodgers haven't hosted the game since 1980, which is the longest drought for a city in the entire major leagues. That so, seems crazy. Yeah, when they host, really. When they hosted it. That's weird. You know, they redid the stadium. How long ago they redid this? Redo? They kind of reconfigured some of the stadium. Yeah, a couple and, years. Yeah. It's it's a great what a great place to watch a baseball game. Uh, you can also work in other events with it. Um, I think it makes sense. I don't, I don't love the idea of moving it around all the time. Maybe that's because we all live in Los Angeles. You're like, ah, just come to us. But I, I also think that you know they continue to try and build the sport. You're better off building the sport in those major cities. You just got to make sure those major cities like New York and L.A. care about baseball. What's going to be interesting is that the uh, Cubs and Wrigley Field also could be in the running for one of those all-star games. Uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier in Gottlieb's sack, but the IOC unanimously approved the move that will allow the executive board to award the 2024 and 2028 summer games at their meeting coming up this fall. Paris expected. John's got the music uh, ready to go. Paris expected to be named the host of the 2024 games with Yay. L.A. likely getting the games in 2028. Still some negotiations between the cities and the IOC. That's expected Meaning to happen over the next couple some, of weeks. The, the checks haven't cleared. The cash hasn't yeah, been handed yes. out underneath the table. Yes, money. The, the, the hookers have not finished up their. The hookers have not finished up their jobs. Oh come on! No. That's the old IOC. <laughs> oh, like the new IOC is so much better. So much better. I mean, there is nothing dirtier than nothing dirtier than how. I mean, the the World Cup blushes at some of the things that you have to do to get to the Olympics. Uh, I'd be fired up by it. I mean, I don't know how Paris, like, this might sound cruel, but they had all those terror attacks just last year. Like, are we, is that really going to happen to where they're going to get the Olympics? I don't know. Um, it's headed that way. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not till 2024, so that's the press. 
Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. 110 to 32. Running up the score, disrespectful, or how the game is supposed to be played. We discuss next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hmm. Okay, so uh, we've taken some of your tweets. You can tweet at me, at Gottlieb Show. Biggest blowout you've ever been a part of. Um, I, I can't remember. I, I remember blowing teams out before in basketball. Nothing like today, where I was coaching a team. We're playing in Israel against Belgium. And we could have won by 100 points without pressing. And remember, like, part of playing FIBA basketball is a 24-second shot clock. So unless you're going to intentionally miss shots, like, you got to take a shot every 24 seconds. You got You can't just play super slow and hold the ball. And, I don't know. I just, like, why establish bad habits? Like, we just played. Kids just played, moved the ball. We tried to run our offense and run different sets and work on some things, and it was, it was fine. And, I mean, it seems worse than it really, really was. But the final score was 110 to 32. What are some of the tweets that we got, Ryan Music? Let's see. So we had at Lucky's Padre tweet in. He said, even Saban thinks you ran up the score. Um, <laughs> and then this is uh, Trey Minton. He said, my church team and I won a game 124-46 this past fall. And uh, I, that's a little disrespectful, I think. I don't know what the church, if the church league is about participation or not, but I don't know if you should be uh, running the score up on your fellow churchgoers. Um, let's see. John Finn said, 110-32 is not something to be proud of on any level. Uh, and then also, uh, Jeff Stoker tweeted in. He said, we played a team when I was a freshman, and we beat them 101-8. to we felt terrible, but we were excited to surpass the 100 mark. Okay, so here's, and this is my honest feeling. So I had emptied the bench. We're working through our backups. We're getting everybody. We're running plays for all the guys that don't haven't gotten a, a ton of looks. And we continue to score. And it's like, I think it was 84, maybe 85. And there was a, plenty of time left to where it could have been 100. And I was telling, we were walking the ball up and running a play and walking the ball up and running a play. And I, I, it was one of those, like, I don't want to beat somebody by 100, but I did want to beat somebody by 100, right? <laughs> like, I didn't want to be the guy that wins by 100, but I wanted to win by, like, I just want to go like, yeah, we won by 100. Because it would have been, it would have been on SportsCenter tomorrow, right? It would have been on Fox Sports Run tomorrow. It would have been everywhere tomorrow. We blew this and team up by 100. Like, what was the final score? No, seriously, we beat them by 100 points. 100 points, right? And we could have done that Wilt Chamberlain thing with the 100, but I just <laughs> didn't. Now, look, tomorrow we play Mexico, and we could beat them by 100. Uh, this is uh, Kevin. They actually, they, they, Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, Kevin Gardner-Brown also tweeted in, I coached girls basketball, and sadly enough, our team won 83-8. to Hashtag regret. I don't have any regret because I'll, so I'll tell you what I what I did. And if you guys think this is running it up or doing something wrong, I told our guys, look, we know we're better than them and okay? we know this is not going to be a great game. 
I don't want you to steal the ball in the backcourt, but I want you to, because we always, ball goes through the basket and I my guards pick up because we want to establish that as a habit because when you play against a real team, and we do on Friday, we have the semifinals and Sunday it's the finals. And the first two teams we played were really good, could have beaten us, and we'll probably play the French team in the finals if we get there. we got to play Israel to get there. Anyway, um, 24 seconds, you want to press in the backcourt so when they get to the front court, they only have, you know, 19 or 18, 17 seconds to run their offense. It's, it's, it's far, far better, um, a far, far better way to live so you don't have to play as much defense. Yeah, no, I mean, that I, think said, I think it's fine. Okay, so I told my guys, like, look, you either play hard, okay, hard and clean and play the way we, we're going to play or I'm taking you out. And nobody's going to get selfish. We're not going to go one-on-one and take shots. Ball moves. You don't have it? Get it on its way and attack. You're like, you, you get it. We're, we're attacking, and if help comes, you kick off and it doesn't. And, look, if you have shots, you have layups, like, take them. Like, don't play bad basketball because, you know, don't feel bad about making a layup. Um you know, it doesn't, we're not going to taunt. We're not going to talk trash. We're just going to play. And they all did it. They all played really hard. And I got my starters out and they all felt good. You know, I waited till I ran a play for each one of them to get each one of them a shot, hopefully making a shot and then take them out feeling good about themselves. And then we did the same thing for the backups. But it was, it was 85 and it could have been 100, 105 and, and nobody would have batted an eye at it. So and he, uh, we go ahead. Here's my question. Is there an age cutoff? Like, so how old, for those who don't know, how old are the players that you're coaching right now and coaching against? My I, my youngest guy's 19. My oldest is 26. Most of them, they're all 19 to 22, except for my 26. So guys. they're young adults. Like, is there an age cutoff for when there shouldn't really be, like, a running up the score? Because that's what sort of what I believe. Like, if you're in high school and playing at, like, the varsity level or whatever you consider to be the highest level— I don't really know if there's a running up the score issue because you're a young adult who is out playing a competitive sport. Now, you, there, there's I, I a certain think, level of... I just think, like, look, you don't... The, the general rule is you don't press uh, once you're up 30, right? You don't press once you're up 30. The, the difference is also... The, like, the shot clock makes it hard to not try and score. It just does. There isn't anything in basketball where you can take a knee, where you can run it into the, you can run into the line of scrimmage. We threw it to. We have a, a young big guy who's a Joe Schneider. He's a sophomore at Amherst College. He didn't play that much this year, and I think he's got some talent. Like we threw it, to, we ran an alley oop play for him, which was a disaster in terms of the pass. We tried to throw it to him in the post, and he scored in there. And when he double teamed, he passed out. He turned it over a couple times. We tried to. Like we legitimately tried to get everybody involved and didn't play to our strengths necessarily. So is there an age cutoff? It's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't, but you don't ever want to be the guy who runs up to score. But I, I'm telling you, we won by 78 points. And I promise you, Ryan, we didn't run up the score as crazy as it sounds. All right. All-star game is tonight. Can't say I'm crazy fired up about it, but it's kind of the only thing on, right? And then you do have some in, two incredible pitchers. Uh, Sale going for the American League, second straight year. Kind of wish he'd sprayed around, but he's really good. Max Scherzer, who, he's a Hall of Famer. You're going to watch a Hall of Fame pitcher, right? Cy Young Award in the American and National League. And the winner gets nothing. Congratulations. Enjoy the All-Star Game. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show from Israel. Fox Sports Radio. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Traveling for college hoops this winter? Pro tip, stay at a graduate hotel. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni. Nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns. And get this, you can save up to 30% with the code DUG. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.